You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is Sanaya Sydney, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey all, I'm Utide Badaki. I play Bill Quiz on American Gods, and you are all now listening to Black Girl Nerds Podcast. What's up, y'all? It's producer Will Packer, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Keep it locked right here. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm Tina Mabry, producer, writer, and director, and you are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. episode 157 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I'm your host. Today's episode is a special episode about Sundance. Before we head out to the cold mountains of Park City, Utah, we are going to have a little bit of a warm-up, a Sundance warm-up, with Crystal Kayiza. Crystal Kayiza is a Sundance Ignite alumni, and her documentary short Edgecomb will premiere at Sundance this month. The Ignite program is sponsored by Adobe. So sit back, relax, and enjoy BGN 157, Sundance Warm-Up with Crystal Kayiza. So Crystal, tell us about the Sundance Ignite Fellowship and what it does for women filmmakers. Like it's like I was saying before, it's a community that feels like the film industry 
something that I want to be a part of, if that makes sense. And it's, I think it's, a, it's definitely a privilege to have that, um, like, kind of so early on in my time of kind of pursuing this career. It completely makes sense, and it sounds like it's such a wonderful and a privileged uh, fellowship and program to be a part of. So congratulations to you and getting involved with that. And I, I love the fact that it's opening the door for more diverse filmmakers and specifically women of color to be um, a participant in. I was reading your background and I see you're from Oklahoma, but you are based in Brooklyn. So what brought you out to Brooklyn? podcast will return in just a moment. Zola. Zola is the wedding company that will do anything for love and it's reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience to make the happiest moment in couples lives even happier. Join 500,000 couples who've used Zola. Start with a free wedding website. It's so easy and takes just minutes to set up. Zola makes registering for newlywed life very easy. The Zola store has the widest selection of gifts at all different price points. There's something for every guest to give. To start your free wedding website and get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to Zola.com forward slash nerds. That's Zola.com forward slash nerds. You get $50 off your registry when you go to Zola and start a free wedding website. Zola.com forward slash nerds. When you're creating a film and you assemble your production crew, do you want it to be as diverse as the stories you're telling? And kind of tell us why. Yeah, um, I think that's super important. I, it, I think that... You know, and um, I guess transitioning from the kind of college education and film film school experience into kind of now being a few years out, um, you kind of see the ways that communities are built in those institutions. Like you, you work with the people that you're surrounded by, and a lot of those spaces aren't very diverse and don't necessarily kind of um, like. I mean, for me, one of the biggest um, you know, lessons of film school and something that's really invaluable and why you kind of, why that opportunity I think so many people are drawn to is that you do build a network and community of people. Like, I'm working with a lot of the same people that I worked that I worked with in film school on, like, thesis projects and, and class projects. And so, kind of leaving that space, I think it's become really important to me to, like, make more of an effort to have, you know, I kind of also graduated with this small, but especially sturdy group of like women of color doc filmmakers who you know we help each other on all of our projects and we talk and we collaborate 
community and specifically the types of films that I want to make. Um, I think people, I think seeing like myself and um, and the people that I want to collaborate in the crews that I build, the community, the creative community that I have around me is super important because I think it just makes kind of the storytelling um it just changes the way, I don't necessarily, it's like this, a feeling is like, it changes the way that the process works, you know? I think that um, you, the having like the most, not even diverse, but just kind of varied perspectives on a crew and people's backgrounds like really contributes to the way they approach their craft. And that's from, you know, uh, from like the DP to the person that's mixing the sound, the person that's composing the music, like people always bring like their experiences and their identity into, that, into the way that they do their work. And um, I think it's really exciting with, like, programs like Ignite and, and groups like, for example, like Brown Little Doc Mafia is a really amazing community that I've had the chance to, like, work with folks in that group. And there's, like, a, definitely a difference when you get are surrounded by um, a diverse crew or diverse community of, of creatives than if everyone's kind of coming from the same space. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, like, fits the way that the work is done, I think. Yeah, and it's got to be inspiring just to you know, be surrounded by people that are cut from the same cloth as you that have had and shared experiences that you've gone through and, and just are able to kind of identify in ways that um, you, can't, you can't quite get in the industry, in the film industry in Hollywood, you know, so that's, that's really great to be surrounded mm-hmm. that way. Um, tell us, yeah. a, oh, go ahead. And I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I think it's also important that um, it also becomes a thing of That's such an excellent point because there are, you know, marginalized communities um, that aren't necessarily, you know, women of color, black women that still need to get the kind of representation that we don't see, people with disabilities, people in the transgender community. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's very important um, that in any community that you're in, that you're always inclusive. Um Tell us about your film, Edgecombe, which will premiere under the documentary shorts category at Sundance this month. So, yeah, I was saying that I, when I graduated school, um, I left and moved to New York to start working at the ACLU. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked as an assist, assistant in the racial justice program um, and kind of transitioned into doing advocacy work 
like focused on criminalization of poverty um, and doing kind of uh, state-based work and working with uh, kind of the affiliate offices in particularly in the South um, for a lot of the, the time I was there. Um, and that's how I, it's kind of like a roundabout way of how I got connected to folks in Edgecombe. Um, when I left that job, I was really interested in like working on a short film that kind of focused on the issues that I had worked on at the ACLU, but kind of um, in a more poetic and nuanced way of, I think, um, trying to connect the history, the trying to connect the issue that I was working on to the history of a community. Um, and so I had been working with a, uh, an attorney um, at the ACLU of North Carolina and kind of just shot her an email saying, you know, this is, I'm leaving and this is something I'm interested in pursuing. And the first county that she mentioned was Edgecombe. Um, mm. And so shortly after, I started uh, um, a woman filmmaker fellowship at the Jacob Burns Film Center. And, um, and that's kind of what I brought this project in during my time as a fellow there. Um, and then around that same time period is when I applied for the Ignite Fellowship. Um, so kind of like I left full-time work and started freelancing and all of this kind of started, happened at once in a strange way. It's like things kind of came together um, in a really awesome way. And then um, I actually like spent, while I was in Park City last year for Ignite, um, was pitching, like used this project as part of the pitching program that um, they do during the, the week that we're in Park City. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was, like, super confused about the direction, and I was in the middle of post and, like, kind of losing my mind. And, um, and that was also, like, a really affirming experience because um, I guess I kind of thought, like, everything was still in my head about what this film would look like, and kind of getting feedback and affirmation from that community was, um, was like, a, the perfect timing. And so that's when I wrapped up the film last spring, um, and then it premiered at Bam Cinema Fest in June. So it's kind of had a bit of a festival run since the summer, but... Um, it's really exciting to, to bring it to Sundance. Yeah, I, I was looking at some of the festivals that it's played at, and I noticed um, it was brought to the Kukaloris Film Festival, which that cute little festival in Wilmington, North Carolina, is near and dear to my heart. I used to live in Wilmington, so and I know Dan Crawley, the director yeah. there. So, it, yeah, it, I'm, it was exciting okay. to see that, because not many people think about Kukaloris, and they put out so many great films. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah, it was really great. It was really great space to show it for the first time. It was like, actually went to Kukaloris and then did a community screening at Eastern Star um, Baptist Church, which is the church featured in the film. And like, strangely, Shaka had just moved to Wilmington um, when Kukaloris was happening. So um, was able to like reconnect with him and visit Tarboro. So it was like a really great um, experience. It was a really cool festival. During uh, Regina King's Golden Globes acceptance speech, she stated that she's going to make an effort to bring more women and that everything she produces will have 50% women. What is your opinion on that? Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, I think that that should be everyone's goal in this industry is to have their crews and productions be as inclusive as possible. Um, and that includes... Um, having more women in, like, not in, from kind of the laundry list of crew positions in a, a particularly production of the scale of, like, Beale Street, but even kind of having, um, like, emerging filmmakers practice that in the way that they assemble their um, productions now. I think um, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is kind of the, the differences and similarities between um, kind of representation 
even that idea of like half of all the productions are gonna be women, like this like numbers and and having you know how numbers, especially in a, a field like filmmaking, is so important to show like shifts and changes. But then also the work of reimagining how we tell stories and like when those people um, arrive on set or part of productions, like making sure that there are you know um, practices in place and that the process shifts and changes. So I think a lot of times um, people are brought in to kind of show that the space is becoming more diverse, but then there aren't measures to ensure that their voices are included in the actual process of creation, right? So right. it's really exciting to see that, um, you know, this shift is happening and more people are being included in this craft. But I also think that kind of the next step is ensuring that, you know, um, that it's not just like space is being opened up, but that the way that we practice this work is reimagined as well. Um, so that, you know, it's a sustainable thing. Because I think a lot of times people talk about uh, this shift is like a moment, but like moments pass. And I'm right. really interested in like how we, this shift sustainable. That's so true, because I think about the early 90s when there were so many black shows on television and even, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the even the UPN network had yeah. just nothing but black sitcoms. And then, you know, that mm-hmm. went away. The UPN became the WB and it's like, you know, a whole bunch of Lily White uh, soap opera teen shows. Um, so it's interesting mm-hmm. to see how things shift and change over time. And hopefully this is more sustainable. It seems like Hollywood is paying attention, but since we're in award season right now, I, I wanted to get your opinion on award shows. Um, the Golden Globes shut out, they shut out several women directors with the exception of one um, in the best director category. Do award shows send a message that it's still a boys club? Mm, that's a really good question. I've lately tried, been trying not to play, I mean, I I've been trying not to place as much um, emphasis on... I think it's really hard because I think everyone kind of, like, award season, award shows, like, also offer, like, an, an affirmation of what stories are valued and, like, what um, what, we, what we're recognizing as important storytelling during that year. Um, and... I think this was like an incredibly, uh, this was such an incredible year for, for filmmaking. And I thought that a lot of the films um, in 2018, like, this is a laundry list of, of work that like deserves to be recognized. But I mean, the images that come out after award shows of people winning, you know, best film, um, like team coming up and everyone looking exactly the same, like definitely sends a message about like, you know, although the film itself or the leads or, you know, the people that are kind of the face of the film, like, might look like you or be part of the same community that you're a part of. Like, I was talking about the, before the process of production and kind of the, the engine that um, creates this work. Like, I think it's also important to reimagine those spaces, too. Um, and I think it's really privileged to kind of be with, like, in somewhat within that community and understand, you know, that every position matters and every all the hands on a production are really important and you know like when I was watching award shows growing up I didn't necessarily understand the value of like what a producer means and like how that's connected and involved with the director's vision for the project and um 
and how all of these pieces align. And I think, you know, as I'm like, I definitely the type of person that's like, oh no, like award season isn't important, but then like addicted to every single, like, <laughs> refreshing my Twitter feed to see who's winning things. Um, so yeah, I think especially during a year like this, uh, where more films by directors of color or producers of color or women producers and, and people that, like we talked about before, being, um, having their visions and, and, um, and stories affirmed, like when you don't see that affirmed in an institutional way, I think that also sends a message to like, you know, how the process is being, it still hasn't necessarily like caught up with the actual people, um, on, you know, at the fa- on the face of the film. What, what has been the most challenging thing for you as, as a director? What has been the most challenging thing? Yeah, what's been the, what's been the most challenging thing for you? Um, um, I think, honestly, like, calling myself a director took a long time. Um, I think one of the best pieces of advice, which actually, um, Effie Brown last year during, uh, the Ignite program, I was, like, kind of going on and on about, there's, like, just all this conversation about the relationship between a producer and director, and, like, one of the, like, most affirming things that was kind of said during that time was she was, like, you, like, call yourself, like, what you want other people to see you as, and that was kind of something that was reiterated throughout the program is that, like, you're like, you're here because we think that your vision is important and that, you know, like, we think that you're, like, leaders in the work that you're doing. And so, like, don't, like, ask for ask for what you need. And also, like, you just not only deserve to be in this space, but, like, it's not, you know, um, I think if people kind of underestimate how difficult it is to, like, call yourself what you believe in your own head when a lot of the people around you, like, aren't necessarily, don't necessarily, I mean, fundamentally, like, don't look like you or, um, or you're kind of, you know, in, in an institutional space, like, call it, like, a film school program, um, or freelancing when you're first getting out, like, PAing on sets and kind of doing that grunt work, or, um, it's, I think sometimes throughout, I think it's not just the film industry thing, but in, in a lot of careers, like, not seeing yourself in those spaces, like, your hesitation to be like, yeah, this is what I want to do, like, this is who I believe I am, this is my vision, um, this is my voice as a filmmaker, um, is a really difficult thing, and I think it took me a while to be like, no, like, I want to direct, and it's, a, it's, it's like the thing in my mind that I knew that I wanted to do, but felt like it was kind of, um, it felt really big saying it out loud, and I think um, last year was definitely a period of time where I kind of really reconciled what it meant to, um, to kind of tell people that and then also kind of so it's be more open to kind of talking about my own ideas and and uh, kind of creating, the, like I was saying before, a community of uh, collab- collaborators and folks that I wanted to work with and, like, making more of an effort to, um, like, invest in my own vision, if that makes sense, and that was, like, part of me applying for Ignite was me really being, like, this is what I want to do, and this is something that I want, like, I'm going to really, I'm going to, like, put myself out there and go for it, and it took me forever to decide to apply, it took me way too long, and I think a lot of that was attached to, um, you know, like, 
but telling myself this is what I wanted to do. Like, it's something that I already knew, but, like, saying it out loud, I think, was a really difficult process, and um, it's definitely something that I've become more um, comfortable with over the past year or two. Last question. What advice do you have for Black women filmmakers interested in becoming a Sundance Fellow and one day having their film premiere at Sundance? Oh, wow. Uh, what advice do I have? Um, I think that... I mean, I think that kind of what I was saying before, or, like surrounding yourself with people that not only support your work but are critical of your work in, in a way that's like affirming like I believe in your work enough to like spend time you know um, investing in your vision um, I, I just I think you know like in a strange way like you have to like a lot of the um, the process of of making work and and kind of building a career is is definitely connected to like institutions and networking and all of these things and all of that access has a lot to do with privilege and power and um, I think making sure that like telling yourself that you are deserving of those things and like um, there's been so many times when I've talked to people that when I tell them about my experience in Ignite they're like well, I don't know if I would get that, or I don't, I don't know if that's something that I could do. It's like you have to be the first. You have to be the person that's like, this is what I want to do. This is like, I want to invest myself by like being a part of these programs or doing X, Y, and Z, and, and believing that those spaces are accessible. I think um, it was really important for me to be a part of Ignite and be a part of kind of these communities because like seeing so many other like, especially young people my age, like filmmakers of color, filmmakers from across the world, like making amazing, brilliant films and like not sacrificing their vision and, and being in a space like Sundance or um, kind of other institutions and having that affirmed, I think was such an important experience. But the first step is believing that you belong in that space. And it takes, I think it like can't be, uh, it's, it's that step is, I think for a lot of people really difficult and I think that a lot of times people um, you know posturing of confidence and moving through these spaces and trying to make connections is really exhausting especially when you're not you don't see yourself in those spaces but reaching out to other filmmakers of color and other women filmmakers and being a part of different groups like gave me the confidence to feel like I belong in those spaces and I think community building is so so important um, and being like having a fellowship opportunity and and kind of building out my network of people that, you know, believe in, in shifting this industry in the way that I do, I think that is so, so important. Um, and I feel like that wasn't a super direct answer, but I guess in my mind it's, it's like the community aspect and like building that community around you. Building a community around you that looks like the type of crew that you would want to have in, in all of your productions. Like that has been such like a radical shift in the way I think about this field. Um, and I think it definitely helps with kind of um, kind of entering spaces and feeling like I belong in those spaces as well. That's a brilliant answer. And I just wanted to add just like, just taking a step out on faith, which is exactly what you did, even if you don't feel 100% confident that you're, you know, 
um, I guess, eligible or good enough or whatever, you know, kind of feelings that you have that's keeping you back, just going out there and doing it and going to any festival. Sundance, of course, is sort of the uh, the grand pooba, but um, you've got Kukaloris <laughs> and you've got um, other great little um, festivals all around that you could submit your work to and eventually it can get to places like Sundance, which is where you are today. So thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with Black Girl Nerds. This was such a great conversation. I'm so inspired by you and your work and um, hopefully by the folks that are listening or um, seeing your work on the screen, um, they'll be able to feel inspired to go ahead and create stories of their own. Okay, thank you, Crystal. Thank you, guys. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.